Hello, folks, and welcome to e-commerce QA. This is the show where we talk about the needs of e-commerce sellers, directors, managers. Basically, if you're dealing with e-commerce, then you'll want to listen to this show. We're joined today by Jeremy Byron, who is the founder of Forecastly, which is a really cool solution to some problems that I think most of you listening are having. Hello, Jeremy. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Jeremy, tell us a little bit of your story. How did you get into thinking about forecasting, which implies it may have something to do with forecasting inventory, which is what we want to talk about today. Exactly. Yeah. Forecasting inventory for Amazon FBA sellers specifically, but you asked about my background and I think you kind of kind of have to go way back. I started as an e-commerce seller, I think it's about 10 years ago now. I did it part-time. I had a full-time sales job. I was a business-to-business sales rep and I started an office supply company selling office supplies online. Came across this thing called eBay and started selling off supplies on eBay and then grew a Magento store. Eventually heard about Amazon, which at that point was more of like a bookstore online and started selling off supplies on Amazon. Then I came across Amazon FBA. Actually, I got a phone call from somebody from the FBA. It was like the FBA department. There I was like, Amazon. you got a phone call from like the FBI. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Somebody that was, it was a beta program for fulfillment by Amazon. Of course, I was skeptical of it. I was like, well, why would I want to have anybody else ship my products out? I could just do it myself. And I well, anything's worth a test. In my mind, show me the data and I, I'm good to go. And and I took off. Yeah, so I was one of the beta testers of the FBA program at Amazon in the office products category. There was, of course, they had already done it in several other categories. Nice. And, and this company we're talking about, this is the Honest Office, which I think is a great name. Thank you very much. Took a long time to think about that and is that probably the name a little bit too much. See, I think we started with something longer than that. I can't remember exactly what it was. Discount Office Supply. Well, no, it wasn't Discount Office Supplies. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was a much longer and the domain name was really, really long. So I picked Honest Office. The domain was available and I liked it. You got a bunch of awards. You were in uh, Internet Retailer Magazine's, like, what is that? Six of their awards. Fastest growing for multiple years. Top 1,000 leading USE retailers. This is this is a legitimate business you had. Why'd you shut it down? I got... It, office supplies is a funny category. Plus, I was drop shipping, So it was a combination of I really didn't have a segment that it was my niche. I wanted to... I wasn't growing my own brand. And it, it got big. You're, you're right. We were a multi-million dollar seller. It got fairly large. And we did develop some of our own brands that are still around today, not a, all of which I don't own. But what happened was, is I was having frustrations. What was happening was I, it was cash flow issues. It was definitely lifestyle. My, my lifestyle was taking a hit, both in, to, in the time I was working and also the stress I was feeling. And the cash flow was really, that was probably the biggest issue that I had. And that was causing the most stress. We dug into it. I got a bunch of my mentors around a table. We sat down, got dug through the numbers. What it came down to was a funny thing is I was just having tons of excess inventory and way too many stockouts on our best products. And that's how, that's how the whole, that's how I got into software. We ended up building some in-house software to solve the problem. And it did not solve it completely because building in-house software is, not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> I, I learned pretty quickly. And then, uh, but at least I, I was doing a better job than the inventory management software we were using at the time. Which we will leave as unnamed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're still around today. And I, I don't want to, they've improved quite a bit, but they, 
it's all about fundamentals. If you don't fix the fundamentals, then the rest of it isn't any good. So what happened after that? I mean, you're building software. I had some in-house software that we built at Honest Office. We used it for about three years on our own. And then I kept going to these Amazon conferences and hearing other sellers or e-commerce conferences as well. And these other sellers are saying, all right, you're running a multi-million dollar business. How are you not having tons of excess inventory and stockouts? They were having the exact same issues I was having three years prior to that. Thing is, is I had to, it, I had the answer. Well, I have software. Um, unfortunately, you just can't use it. It's not set up to use with multiple businesses. And... It's getting, starting to get a little, I was feeling a little monotonous. Day in, day out was the same thing. And at that point, I decided, all right, I'm going to make a leap. I'm, I'm going to start a software company. So we didn't, we kind of used our previous, our in-house software as a baseline, but we didn't use a single line of code when we started Forecastly. Forecastly solves the same problem, but we went about it a different way. Uh, it, it it's much more advanced than any software that anyone could build in-house unless they're Amazon or you know, a Fortune 1000 company. So let's talk about this. I mean, what are the big concepts that you're, the big pain points that you were looking to address specifically? Sure. My whole thing is like there are with e-commerce or it's not just selling on Amazon. It's, it's kind of e-commerce in general, right? Everyone likes to focus on fancy marketing tactics, which are awesome. Don't get me wrong. Marketing is extremely important. I depend upon it every day. But it makes it easy for folks to forget about you not only need to focus on marketing, you need to focus on the core fundamentals of business as well, which is ca- it all comes down to cash flow. And in e-commerce, if you own inventory, you need to watch that inventory. The inventory needs to turn over. And if it's not, you're going to end up with cash that's sitting on a shelf or you're going to end up with your best products running out of stock and you're going to miss out on the profit, right? Relatively yeah. simple. Problems are oh, what huge. was that? I was just saying, yeah. problems are huge. You can't, you have to walk this tightrope. The funny thing is, is a lot of sellers don't, they don't realize that though. Like They don't, they don't realize how important that cash flow statement is, or you're at when you're looking at your assets at the end of the at end of the month or the end of the quarter and seeing where is my cash being tied up. They forget about that stuff because it's really easy to, and I'm guilty of it as well. I did it at Honest Office for a long, long time, and, and I almost ran a, a multi-million dollar business right into the ground because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't have the right reporting or the right tools to help you see what you need to see, even if it's just Excel, if you don't set up your right Excel reports to give you the info that you need to make decisions, then you can run into a serious issue. So we're aware of the problems. How does your software specifically solve those problems? So we look at things a little bit different. My whole kind of philosophy is you need to start at the core of the issue. And the core of the issue is demand forecasting. Because if I don't, if I can't tell you I have a pen sitting next to me right now, if I, and let's say you sell pens, Michael, if I don't, if I don't can't tell you exactly how many pens you're going to sell in Q4, then how am I going to tell you when to replenish? Why does it matter if I can print off fancy shipping labels? Why does it matter if I can have the most, the most beautiful PO that you've ever seen in your life and I can send that to your supplier? None of that matters if you cannot focus on the core number of how many units you're going to sell. Because if you can't, if I can't tell you exactly how many units you're going to sell, then can't tell you how much safety stock you need. I can't tell you when you're going to run out of stock. Can't tell you exactly how much money you're going to need in Q4 to buy inventory. 
all of these numbers come down to the accuracy of that prediction. So that's what we focus on here at Forecastly. We, we focus on the core problem at hand. We don't do we, we don't do bells and whistles. We don't do Amazon marketing or e-commerce marketing. All we focus on is, is inventory replenishment and everything that goes into that. Which I want to starts take, with demand. I want to take a brief segue, alternate route, and talk about FBA for a second because I think that inventory planning is is incredibly important, no matter you know how you're selling stuff, but it's particularly important with FBA. Can you, not everybody listening is highly familiar with FBA. They know it means fulfillment by Amazon. But can you talk to us a little bit about why it's such a great play and why you found it to be a good move for your business? Sure. I'm actually a pretty good person to talk about this because I was highly skeptical of it. (laughs) I was really, really skeptical. And it took me a couple of months when they had first made the phone call to actually get on board. But fulfillment by Amazon is relatively simple. They're a fulfillment company for your products. So the pen that we spoke about before, you ship them a case of 20 of these, they break them down for you, put labels on them. And as orders come through either from your site and you feed them the orders or from amazon.com, what happens is they'll just pick, pack and ship those products right out to the customer. You don't have to touch it. You don't have to deal with any of that. The beauty of it is, is if you do sell on Amazon, it's an immediate boost in your demand because you win the buy box, which means that you're the, the main seller on that Amazon page for anyone that's not familiar with that. And it's, it's scalable. That's the beauty of it is that if you are doing, if you're doing a million dollars a month come Q4 and you're doing zero dollars a month the rest of the, uh, the rest of the year, or it's let's say a, a tenth of that, a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue, you don't have to let any warehouse employees go. You don't have to worry about it's. You don't have to deal with all that overhead that comes along with the boost in demand that you'll see in Q4. Amazon will handle all of that for you, as long as you have enough inventory sitting there in the warehouse for for, for Q4, right? So how does that yeah, work? Exactly. You just leave a ton of inventory in FBA all year. So that's that's the hard part. You're exactly right. If you don't know how many you're going to sell, it, it's, it becomes more important to make an accurate demand forecast because what happens is you need to either ship inventory from your supplier or your manufacturer directly to Amazon or you need to ship it to your own warehouse and then back out the door to Amazon. So you're building up a lead time. It takes longer for your product to get back in stock and for and available for sale for the customer. So if you don't if you're not really really careful, it's easy to run out of stock and it's also easy to build up excess inventory if you're looking at the wrong reports or you because it's not like you're going out to the warehouse and seeing, okay, I have a dozen pen black pens left on the shelf. You need to pe- depend upon uh, Amazon's reporting and everything that goes along with it to make your replenishment decisions. Yeah. I just want to emphasize one thing you said at the beginning, which is winning the buy box. I mean, I think everybody knows that, but that's that's paramount. If you don't win the buy box, you're not going to sell. Whoever wins the buy box wins. And that's super important. So, but if you're winning this buy box all the time, you're out, you're selling really quickly through your stuff, then you have to have good reporting. So take it back to your, to Forecastly. How exactly does Forecastly interact with FBA and have this insight? Sure. So what we do is we tie into Amazon's API. Uh, so we look at if you for someone that signs up, a user, a business that uses Forecastly, what we do is we tie into Amazon's API and we download all your product data, order data, and we can see 
exactly how each product is selling. But not only the important thing here is not only can, can I see how that black pen is performing, most likely we analyze about 25 million products a month that are sitting in our catalog right now. So I can also see not only how your pen is performing, but I can see how the entire category of pens is mm-hmm. performing. So it, even if you built the exact same in-house system that we have here at Forecastly, if you stole our code and you just wanted to use it at your own company, it would never perform as well or as accurate as our system as a whole. Because nice. we can have machine learning algorithms to say, okay, how is that product performing? How is the product category performing? How is the parent category performing? And then also the really important one is, how is the site as a whole performing? And a perfect example of that, which Amazon has done a really good job of, is Amazon Prime Day. This isn't just on Amazon. There are other sites out there, other marketplaces, or even your own site where you're going to have a big marketing push. Well, you need to take that into you have to take that into account when you're doing demand forecasting for your own website. And it's important to think about all those things. So, all right, how is the how is the site as a whole going to perform? If I usually have 10,000 visitors and I have 100,000 this month, well, you can expect all of your products to sell a lot more than you typically would. Absolutely. So let's, let's bring this to brass tacks. Obviously, anybody that's selling an FBA needs to take a look at Forecastly. That we're going to include the link in the show notes. And yeah, no-brainer, people. However, we want to also think about sellers who aren't on FBA yet. A, I think we've given mm-hmm. some good reasons to get on FBA. But B, what about just normal e-commerce sales? Do you have any thoughts regarding forecast uh, demand planning for normal e-commerce? How did you end up solving that problem in your own company? Sure. So that's a great question. And I didn't come on here just to talk about Forecastly. So it's mm-hmm. important that, w- that we hit upon that and we get some... What we talk about can also apply outside of just Amazon. In my particular software happens to only work with Amazon, but the same concepts apply, like with seasonality. Look at if you have previous year sales data, look to see, all right, how did how did September, October, November, and December month to month compare to each other? So if sales went up double of from October to November and then from November to December, you should account for that. So you can you're able to use your October sales data to figure out here's how many black pens we sold in October. Now I can figure out how many we think we're going to sell in November and December. The other cool thing that you can use is Google Trends. Mm-hmm. You can type black pen, and I ha- I've never actually done this with black pen, so don't go do now on the <laughs> google.com forward slash trends. There you go. You could type in black pen and you can see, all right, well, how do black pens perform in, let's just say the United States, if that's where we're selling, how do black pens perform in the United States? That's really hard to do at scale. But if you only have a few, if you have a limited number of SKUs, a few products, it that can be super helpful. And you can say, all right, well, I can see that the summer, for whatever reason, August, you saw a lot of black pens coming back to school, right? And that's something that you might not have thought of. In this case, it's pretty easy to think about, but you never really know, all right, what is the best month versus what is the worst month? And you can take that into account when you're doing demand planning. I'm, I just the other- did a quick test here. It looks like black pens are twice as, twice as popular as blue and red pens. So in case anybody's selling those, good to know. <laughs> Perfect. The other thing that I want to talk about as far as e-commerce sellers as a whole, that I see a lot of folks, they just, for lack of a better term, they just mess it up. Is It's all about organization. 
Because if you aren't organized when you're small, you're going to be a lot, lot, lot less organized when you're larger. And it's, you have to get organized. So it's, this is especially true. And I'm going to tie it back to inventory management. Let's just use your supply chain as an example. How many black pens do we have on order coming in from China? How many do we have going from our warehouse to, let's just say we use Amazon, right? So how many do we have in transit from our warehouse to Amazon? How many black pens do we have in our warehouse? How many are in a third party if we use a third party fulfillment center? These are all numbers that they need to be accurate. And the only way that they're going to be accurate is if you're organized. So it's really important that you have a process in place to figure out how many are in each, how many units are in each step of your supply chain, tracking those purchase orders, tracking the orders that are in transit coming into you. And then also like, what do you have sitting on the shelf? What's outbound to a customer that's already been sold? If you don't have a good process and you don't get those core numbers down, it doesn't matter if you're using the most, if it doesn't matter if you're writing them on a piece of paper or using a fancy software, if those numbers aren't right, you can't come out up with a good inventory uh, replenishment number. And do you think, I mean, I, I know this is a little facetious, but do you think you could actually do that on pen and paper nowadays? Or if you had a limited you, enough number of products? Or I don't I mean, see I, any I reason that, to. Yeah. yeah What's a good I, I would do it what, in Excel. What kind of soft, oh, yeah, really? Okay. So were you using Excel and spreadsheets to manage this part of your business when you were had Honest going? Yeah. And unfortunately, wow. yes. <laughs> okay. But the thing is, is you can't do it with, let's just say, greater than, you can't do it in any level of accuracy with more than 10 SKUs. It just, it just isn't scalable. And the problem is, is you're constantly updating numbers. The other piece is that Excel doesn't have the functionality to do seasonality demand forecasting properly. You could do it kind of in an old school way, break it down product to product but it's just not going to be as accurate as you can get with a machine learning software. Is there a good but, piece of software that will work for general purpose e-commerce that, that you've used or that you, you've heard of that might be a good fit? No, not that I know of, mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I know like the really big ERPs are going to have this built in. There's also dedicated forecasting planning software that you can attach to your inventory software. We don't need to talk about specific software so much as the principles, which I think you're hitting really well right now. Thank you. Thanks. Michael, you and I have spoken about this previously. I think it's important to to talk at least in a little bit about segmenting your products into tiers Mm. because that is no matter what size e-commerce company you're running and no matter if you're selling on Walmart or Amazon or only your own Shopify store, right? It's really important that you break your products down into tiers. And, And what I mean by this is for anyone that's not familiar, it's called the Pareto principle or 80 20 rule where I like to do an A list, a B list, and a C list. Meaning when I look at my profit and loss, I say to do it for about two to three months because you don't want to do it for too short of a period of time or too long of a period of time. Two to three months, take a profit and loss statement broken down by product. So you're going to have all your rows with your products on it. And you're going to see exactly how much you made per product for that period of time and then sort it in descending order. You're going to have your most profitable products at at the top and your least profitable products at the bottom. And what happens a lot of the times is folks don't want to get rid of that bottom tier. They think, oh, well, we're still make money. We still make money on it. It's worth it. But when you start to look at the operational expenses that are involved in that, 
building purchase orders, running forecasts. Someone has to actually receive that inventory. Everything that's involved in that, right? There's accounting that comes down to it. A lot of times that C list is just extra money that you're spending. Whereas your A list and your B list, those are the products that make the most money at the end of the day. That's your bread and butter. In every aspect of your business, you need to think like that. So as it relates to inventory management, okay, my A list needs to, we need to be running a forecast more often than my B list or my C list. The A list needs to be more accurate. So maybe I have a different forecasting strategy for my A list than I do with the remainder of the products. And then the same thing goes down to safety stock. Safety stock is just like buffer stock. You're trying to predict the future and you really don't know. You don't know exactly if you're going to be right. You might sell 100 pens. You think you're going to sell 100 pens, but you might sell 120, you might sell 80. So you need an extra 20 units of safety stock. It's insurance. I'm willing to commit more cash in terms of a percentage of inventory for my best-selling products than I am for those lower-tier products because I don't want them to run out of stock in Q4. It's gonna it's gonna put a hurting on my business. I only speak I only bring this up on every single interview that I have or call that I have because I feel so passionate about segmenting your products. I learned from experience. Uh, it was one of the biggest mistakes that I made as an e-commerce seller was not sen- segmenting my products early enough. Mm. I learned it from I actually learned it. I remember sitting in an MBA class in the cost accounting. Probably the biggest takeaway that I got out of the entire program was that one report. I almost passed out when I looked at it because (laughs) I knew right away the number of mistakes we were making. Wow. So just a sideline question. Did you end up getting an MBA while you were running this company? Yeah. Yep. I, I quit about six months. I had about six months left on my MBA and I quit my day job. And went to run Honest Office full time. Ended up finishing the MBA at the same time, but it was it was extremely stressful. I, I did and we're, and I was getting married at the same exact oh, time, all in all in the same month, six months out. I, it was in April 2012 that I I quit my job six months earlier than that. I was finished my MBA and I got married. Mm-hmm. I don't know how my you, wife stuck with me, but she did. Yeah. Do you feel that the <laughs> MBA helped you run your company better? Would you do it again? It was definitely, I I got a lot out of it. I think any education, it is what you make of it, right? Do I think I could have run my company just as well without an MBA? Definitely. Uh, Do I think you can get a lot out of having a good network and having a lot of friends uh, or mentors that are in business that can give you good advice? Definitely. A lot of times I've learned, I feel like I've learned a ton from podcasts. There are a lot of folks that don't listen to podcasts and it's free, free education. Yeah, I saw a stat recently. It says uh, 25% of the populace in the U.S. is now listening to podcasts. So that's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were reaching the end of our time. I'm wondering if there's uh, two or three main thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with. I think the, the first one is definitely segment your products into tiers. If you don't do anything else from this conversation or from listening to this conversation, just do that one thing. Uh, the next thing is to use data to make seasonality decisions. I, I say make it to just in any aspect of business to make informed decisions. But specifically when it comes to inventory management, you really need to start looking at the data and your sales data and then product level and category level to make demand forecast decisions or just replenishment decisions. And then the last piece is stay organized 
get a process down for everything that you do, and then start delegating those pieces as you start to scale up. So the more organized you can be, stay organized, write it down into a process. You really need to write it down. It has to be written down because if you don't know what you're doing right now, you can improve upon it. And then it makes it a lot easier once you start delegating these tasks out, either to an assistant that you have there, employees, or even a virtual assistant. Uh, now, at your, at your peak from staffing and point of view, how many people were working at Honest? At Honest Office, we had three full-time and a couple part-time. It was it a was pretty small operation nice. in terms of the, the amount of revenue we were doing. Yeah, that's very, very tight. That's a very good ratio. Huh. The beauty then, of outsourcing fulfillment, right? Yeah. Did you have standard operating procedures written up for like every part of the business? or That's one of the things clear? that I didn't have when mm-hmm. things started going awry. And then my mentors sat down when we were sitting down. They're like, wait a second, you don't have written processes. Every business needs written processes. Mm-hmm. Any, of the, uh, any of my mentors that were sitting there that ran large-scale companies, and I'm not talking Fortune 500. I'm talking like several million dollars in revenue, but not 500 million. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and they said right away, it doesn't matter how small you are. You have to have written processes. The beauty of it is I was able to carry that over to Forecastly Nice. We know exactly what we're doing and we can look at it and say, all right, if a mistake happens, we look at the process and say, yep, something's not right here. Where did things go wrong? We need to fix that. And it doesn't take all, I don't, you have to go crazy. It doesn't have to be a printed 500 page, man, page manual, but Google Docs is an amazing thing. And as you bring on a new, let's just say you bring on your first virtual assistant part-time, he or she can use the processes that you've that you've written down or typed up. And then you can take that and have them add comments right in. Okay, I I don't understand what this means. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was very well explained because when they have questions, you'll know, okay, this this piece of the process needs further explanation. We went wrong here or... I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Do you use Dan Martell's playbook? model? No, I don't. No, no I don't. I but he's a great guy. He has yeah, a lot of a lot of experience and I'll have to look that up. That's the one we're using for our playbook is his model. So yeah, great, great one to look up. Um, cool. Well, so there's a few calls to action here. I think the first one is I'd love everybody here who's considering doing FBA or already doing it particularly to consider Forecastly as well. And you mentioned that there's a special URL that people could go to to take sure. a look at that. You can go to actually forecast, like a weather forecast, forecast.ly forward slash celery, S-E-L-L-R-Y. And the other thing is, if you're interested in operationalizing your business, which you should be based on this call, you know, feel free to reach out to, to me, Michael, at celery.com, or I'm going to go, go out on a limb here, Jeremy. Cool if people contact you and ask questions about that. Of course. Yeah. I absolutely love talking to anyone that's in e-commerce. Even if you don't sell on Amazon, don't hesitate to reach out. My direct email is jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y at forecastly.com. And I'll just spell that F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T-L-Y.com. So there you have it. Well, thanks so much, Jeremy, for joining today. And I think that the things you've shared are really going to be great for people who are looking to basically ensure they're business doesn't go belly up just right when you start getting successful just from the you know having too much inventory or not having things on the shelves both problems are huge yeah definitely learn from my mistakes thanks so much for having me on yeah show notes today can be accessed at ecommerceqa.com and be sure to go to itunes or stitcher or however you take your podcasts 
and give us a review. Doesn't have to be five stars. If you think it's one star, give us one star. No, I'm just kidding. Give us five stars. Thanks, everybody. See you later.